you have your Bibles with you, why don't you go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Before technology, you used to hear this when I said turn in your Bibles. But it's all good. We got it on the screen. And so you can go ahead and read it on the screen. It says, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it uh, out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables. He taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching said, a farmer, first he said, listen, come on, listen, Linda. Uh, A farmer went out to sow seed and uh, he was scattering the seed and some fell along the path. The birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, The plants were scorched and uh, they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they could not bear grain. And still other seed fell on good soil. Can you repeat after me? Say good soil. Good soil. soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and 100 times. And all my entrepreneurs and investors said, amen. That's a good ROI. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And then when he was alone, the disciples came and the people around him asked him about the parables. What did you mean by this, Jesus? And he said, uh, he told them, the secret of the kingdom has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that there may be, they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they may turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Verse 14 says, the farmer sows the word. The farmer sows the word. If you're taking notes, and I wanna encourage you to take notes, um, um, uh, this sermon is titled, My Soil, My Responsibility. My Soil, My Responsibility. Repeat after me, say, "My my soil, my responsibility. Let's pray. God, I thank you for these moments. Thank you that your word does not return void. And so would you use these moments by the power of your Holy Spirit that we would receive your word and may it land on good soil. I pray that we would understand this principle uh, that Jesus talks about. And God, you can speak to us individually in this room. Would you customize this message for anyone in this room or watching online? And I just pray that it would be received. And God, that only you can do what only you can do with it. In Jesus' name and all of God's people said a big amen. amen. Amen and amen. Thank you. Quentin, one second, just look at his boots real quick. My man came in with snakeskin boots. I'm just saying, all right, let's get to the word, Omar. So we find ourselves in uh, Mark chapter four. Uh, just, this was just drip. You just got to call it out. Mark chapter four. And uh, up to this point, Jesus has begun his ministry, he has starting to do some miracles. Uh, he, he's also doing a little bit of teaching here and there. Um, and he's 30 years 33 years into his ministry, or starting his ministry, and he gets to this moment where he shares this parable. Now, we must look closely at this parable in particular, and that is because this is the first recorded parable in Scripture. This parable is how Jesus chose to communicate the ways of the kingdom, how the kingdom operates, how how God is, uh, how he does what he does. And so he uses parables to do this, And it's so important to know what a parable is. Um, A parable is not intended 
to confuse you. A parable is not intended to, to hide something from you that you couldn't discover yourself or, or make something difficult about God or, or, you know, or, or about the kingdom. Rather, parables were designed or the reason for them was to invite you, to, to inform you and connect and really simplify what it is about the kingdom or how God works. And so that's why Jesus used parables. So although that parables were used and designed to bring simplicity to the complexity of the kingdom, we could just miss it completely. Jesus says, if you don't get this, you won't get anything else. I mean, if I'm reading the Bible at 7 a.m. in the morning and I read a scripture like that, I'm like, oh, shoot, I mean, let me back up real quick because I can't miss this right here because you can actually miss the very thing that God's trying to speak to you. You can attend a sermon series five weeks in and still miss what God's actually trying to say to you. And so I believe that this moment for this series, as we conclude it, that this is meant to happen, that, that, that God has really designed this scripture and this principle to get in your heart so that you would grow, so that you would receive it the way he's called you to receive it. Jesus says, the sower goes out and sows seed. I think oftentimes we, we put uh, an emphasis or uh, we, we make the issue God. We make the issue the avenue in which the word comes. I'm here to tell you that the sower isn't the issue. The pastor isn't the issue. The podcast you're listening to necessarily isn't the issue. I don't know what podcast you listen to, but I mean like church sermon podcast, bring some context. Um, and I'll tell you another thing that's not the issue. The seed isn't the issue. This is perfect. The seed isn't the issue. So if the sower isn't the issue and the seed isn't the issue, Jesus, what's the issue here? It's your soil. It's your soil. And if you didn't know, the soil represents you and I. You are the issue. Welcome to church. You're going to leave encouraged. We are the issue. Uh, however... That doesn't have to stay the issue. Our ability to receive from God is our responsibility. If there's one thing that you can take ownership of, it's how you receive from God. Everything about the kingdom and, and the way God operates on our part is about receival. It's, everything's free gift. Everything, Jesus said, the kingdom has been given to you. So my ability to receive from God is my responsibility. And so repeat after me, say, my soil... My responsibility. My responsibility. And I just want to submit this thesis to you. That as I study this, I, I, I came to this conclusion up front. It's not that you grow. Come on, it's how you grow. Yeah. We're all growing. Cool. Awesome. But it's not that you grow. It is how you grow. Amen. Jesus would use the example of agriculture and the way you know, things would grow in, on this planet and that this is a parable about growth. So if he's saying, don't miss this part, we can't miss this principle of growth. I almost called this sermon, don't miss it. But I thought the other one was better, so I went with that. <laughs> but how is it? How is it that you can take two people, they can attend the same church for a year, they can get plugged in to small groups, they can worship to the same songs, and you can look at them a year later and there could be two different complete, what is the issue? The issue is the soil. So much about our walk as Christians is defined in the how. That's the difference between us and every other thing. We, it, we do things differently. And God's more concerned in the how than it is 
than what we actually do. And what I mean by that is we give differently. How do we give? We tithe. That's how we give. You know, we, we don't just willy-nilly date. We date with the intention to marry. We don't just, we don't just serve and go to work and, and work ourselves dry. No, we work unto the Lord. That's how we work. And so there's something to say that it's not about that you go. Come on, it's how you grow. And so Pastor Javen talked about being transformed or conformed. Both require change. One is the way God wants you to do it. God cares about how you change. And so the difference is dependent on your soil. So I want to unpack these soils that Jesus says that there's these, essentially these four types of people that when the word goes out, it can land on these four types of soil. Amen. So the first one is the path. The first one is the path, and the path represents a calloused heart. This, my friend, could be the most dangerous thing that you can have toward God is a calloused heart. In Matthew, when, when Jesus is breaking down this, uh, uh, this soil, his, it says in Matthew, for the people's hearts has become calloused and they hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. A calloused heart will blind you to be able to see what God's trying to do in your life. Funny story is uh, one time I was... Uh, in the house, because one time I was in the house, other times I'm not in the house. No, I'm just kidding. Omar, how do you set up a story? That's not how you do it. Um, but I was at home, and uh, the electricity on one of the outlets went out, and so, you know, what do I do? You know, as a strong husband and father, I'm going to figure this out. And so I go outside, and I go to the breaker box, and I try to figure out, I guess, you know, hindsight 2020, but you're supposed to just, like, run your hand down the breaker box, and the one will, like, jump. I didn't know that. So I spent about five, seven minutes at the breaker box just, un- you know, re-switching. <laughs> And so five minutes later, I'm like, all right, cool. And then I try to go inside the house, and the garage was closed. And I was like, oh, snap. I just had my, I didn't have my boxes. I was just in my, uh, my uh, pajamas, which if you live in Las Vegas, are your boxers. Uh, I'm like, oh, no, I'm locked out of my house. It's all good. Amanda will just open up. Oh, wait, Amanda left. Oh, wait, we have a two-year-old, and Amanda didn't take her. Oh, wait, Ruby's stuck inside the house. And Amanda's left about five minutes at this point. And I have no phone. And I have a glass. We have a glass door as our front door. And I can just see Ruby walking around saying, Mama, Mama. She didn't know Papa yet. Uh, so I was like, you're going to stay there until you learn Papa. No, I'm just kidding. What's the story here? Don't let your wife leave the house. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, so I, I began to walk around the neighborhood, and I found uh, somebody was in their garage chilling, and so I went on their driveway, and I said, hey, they could have shot me, okay? <laughs> this is a sacrifice. Uh, but I said, hey, can I borrow your phone? I need to call my wife. Told them the situation. They're like, yeah, sure. Tell Amanda, and I just told her the situation. I'm locked out. Ruby's just walking around the house, not knowing where her parents are. And I begin to get reminded that sometimes that's how we are with God. God's trying to come into your heart. But because we have a closed door, a closed fist, a calloused heart, he can't come into your heart. And I know oftentimes we give that opportunity, or every time we give the opportunity for you to receive Jesus. I would, 99% of this room believes Jesus is Lord of their life. But there are areas in our life that we can have a calloused heart toward God. And God's trying to tap into that area of finance, and you got to let him in. God's trying to tap into that area of relationships. You got to let him in. You got to let him lord over these relationships. And I know your experiences have led up to a place where you can have a callous heart. But let me tell you, you can pray for God to soften your heart in an area 
that you are hard against God in, and he will soften your heart. We pray that every Sunday morning uh, as the team, when we pray for the weekend, we pray that even as you drive here, God would begin to soften your heart so that you could receive the word that God has spoken. Amen? Amen. The next soil is rocky places. Then the seed fell amongst rocky places. Uh, and it, this is uh, a symbolic of when trouble or persecution comes, they quickly, quickly fall away it's because there's no root. Some of us are here, and I've, I, I've been following Jesus for a little close to 10 years now, and, and those, all 10 of those years have I been plugged in, you know, serving. That's just the way I, that's the way it happened. I got saved, and I'm like, all right, I'm all in. Yeah. And just a quick observation based off of these 9, 10 years is that most people are just one life change from completely walking away from God. Most people are just one change of a circumstance, one job opportunity, one relationship, one thing from completely walking away. Yeah. 2020, what a gnarly year. Yeah. If, we, if, we, if, if, if we really live, everyone in this room, praise God, 90 years, amen. amen. Are we really one year from walking away from Jesus? I mean, the issue isn't the seed. The issue isn't the sower. Last year was incredible to be a part of the process on how we are to get the word out. I saw the churches all over the world try to figure out, okay, we can't meet. How do we get the word out? God's always going to get the word out, and his word's never going to return void. But you got to be ready to receive it. The way that you actually uh, overcome a rocky, rocky soil or rocky places is simply believing what, what does God say about trials and tribulation? What does God say about adversity? The Bible says that we've, we are born, come on, for a time of, of adversity, that, that in trials and tribulation, we can consider it pure joy because God's producing in us, come on, perseverance, come on, patience. And so that's rocky places. You get so excited right when the word comes, woo! And then one life change, you're bye-bye. As Ruby would say, bye-bye. Number three, it fell among thorns. The, or not number, this is the third soil. It fell among thorns. Jesus would say, this is the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things to come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. This is an emphasis on how you view the world. We must have a biblical worldview. We must let the Bible define success. And I am not against wealth. I am not against grinding and, and making a living and providing for your family. It's actually biblical. But I am against when, you, when, when wealth is the goal. The Bible says in Deuteronomy that God gives us the, uh, the power to create wealth. And a lot of us love to stop there. We love to be like, yep, that's it. I'm gonna, I can make some money because God gave me that ability. But if you keep on reading, it says that he gives us the power to create wealth to what? To establish his covenant. There is purpose to the ob obtaining of wealth. And so there's a purpose in your drive. Don't chase the wrong thing or don't just chase that thing without the purpose. Don't take away the purpose from it. And so we must reevaluate our definition of success and what it means to grow, and we must not chase, chase the wrong thing. How about we chase the right thing and chase the word of God? Amen. And then the goal. Here's the goal, that, that the seed would fall on good ground. Good ground has process. Jesus says, they hear the word, they accept it, and it produces a crop. It produces a crop. Here's my observation with these uh, various types of people slash soil, that the enemy isn't the one 
stopping you from growing. You can't always blame the birds. You got to blame the soil. And all he can do, all the enemy can do is take. But sometimes I would say we give the enemy too much credit. There's something to say about our ability to control what it is we receive from God. The Bible says in John 10, 10, that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus comes, come on, to give you life and life more abundantly. Repeat after me, say, my soil, my, soil. my, responsibility. my responsibility. And so with that, I have three strongholds of growth. And if you don't remember, strongholds is, is that, that wall that we build up. And that, that more than, more than uh, allowing us to receive is actually keeping God out. And that through little by little, we can break down those strongholds. Amen? Amen. So the first stronghold is the stronghold of pride. The stronghold of pride. First Peter chapter 5 says, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, all of you. Clothe yourselves with humility. I think it would just be really good. Why don't you just say humility? humility. We just need to say it. Just say it. because God opposes the proud but he shows favor to the humble anybody want favor okay then humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time cast all your anxiety cast all your cares unto him because he cares for you the key to avoiding a prideful spirit is submission are there people in your life that can tell you no or do, have you surrounded yourself with, with people that just want to tell you what you want to hear? I have another question. Can God tell you no? I found this observation with uh, people, as, as I've discussed this with a friend of mine, and he was like, no, nah, man, you know, like, seems like they're a rogue Christian. I was like, rogue Christian? What does that even mean? He's like, you know, Christians just willy-nilly, not planted, just doing their thing and, like, giving praise to God for their inability to plant or build up their own ideologies, theologies, because they they're not submitted. That's pride. I, I looked up what uh, uh, rogue means. I think it's funny. Uh, not to say that you are this, but because you're in God's house. Amen. But a rogue Christian is uh, an elephant. I say a Christian, but rogue means an elephant or an other large wild animal driven away or living apart from the herd and having savage and destructive tendencies. Don't be a rogue Christian. I mean, you're savage. <laughs> what is pride? Pride is the self-importance at the expense of anyone else's importance. I think it's so funny, though, when you think about pride and humility, we think about it. It's kind of this, like, invisible, like, value system. I, I mean, if I ask this room right now, raise your hand if you think you're humble. It's like you're prideful for raising your hand. So that won't work. And then if I say, if you, want, if you think you're prideful, raise your hand, I tell you what, everyone wouldn't raise their hand. Uh, and so it's really important to know how we can diagnose prideful and humility. And we can do that by signs. Um, some signs of pride. Number one is you're oversensitive. You, you're easily hurt. You're easily offended. You're just over a sensitive person and typically... An oversensitive person will tend to overreact. You ever met that person? Like, oh my God, I cannot believe. How could they? 
okay, chill. It's all right. It's 2021. That's what people do. Uh, you're never wrong. You're never wrong. Husbands, you're never wrong. <laughs> Wives, you're never wrong. <laughs> you're, a, you're a bad listener. You, you have a hard time registering what God's trying to do or what other people are trying to tell you, and you just can't receive instruction or direction. Those are signs of pride. But we got signs of humility. You tell the truth, even though it hurts. You build others up. You stop gossip. You brag on others. You admit when you're wrong, quick to apologize. I've learned that marriage, as, as a healthy marriage goes, it's just quicker apologies. It's not like we're getting really any better. I'm just quicker to say sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna let that one settle real quick. All right, cool. And then you also, you appreciate instruction and you appreciate correction. And I love this because the disciples understood humility. In verse 10, when they were alone, it says the disciples asked Jesus, what did you mean by that? What did you mean by the, that parable? And the, the disciples could have totally acted like they were religious, self-righteous, and like, heck yeah, man, soil, man, I've got that good soil. You know what I'm saying? But no, they said, Jesus, I don't know what you mean. And I love that Jesus didn't write them off. He explained exactly what he meant. The Holy Spirit will always reveal whatever it is you ask him. Without the disciples asking, without humility, we don't get access to the one line Jesus says, if you don't get this, then you won't get anything else. What if they didn't ask? We wouldn't know. Can I tell you, your humility is predicated on somebody else's breakthrough? That you could be holding up somebody else's breakthrough because of a prideful spirit? But we are to grow in humility, amen? And so humility usually hurts. It usually hurts. It stings a little bit. Pride is easy, but God promises that he honors the humble, and so it's worth it. Um, I love that the disciples found a moment in which they were able to ask Jesus about this. Uh, and that's how humility and pride is grown. They're grown in moments. When the opportunity presents itself, you can either grow in pride or you can grow in humility. And so we, we choose humility, amen? amen? Even though it hurts, it's worth it because God's going to honor it. Amen? amen? Amen. That's a good place to clap. Thank you, Wes. Stronghold number two. Stronghold of speed. The stronghold of speed. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. And in the ESV it says, and then immediately it sprang up. So it did grow something. And then some fell on good soil where it produced grain. This tells me that God is not concerned, come on, at the speed of your growth. I don't know who told you that you needed to grow faster, that you needed to have it all together. You needed to memorize the lyrics by now. You need to know all these scriptures. I'm telling you, God is not telling you that. That is the enemy. God is into slow growth. News alert, God is never in a hurry. So what are we in a hurry? Amen. So you don't need to have it all together. You actually being in process is the right position you need to be in for God to do a work in your life. God's never in a hurry. Proverbs, uh, is it 3011? I got it wrong the last time, or 1211? Anyway, it says, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. That's not something culture tells us, right? 
You got to get it, Dogecoin, to the moon. <laughs> R.I.P. Dogecoin. The way God's going to do his breakthrough in your life is little by little. The way God's going to answer that gnarly prayer that you have is little by little because he wants to produce in you, come on, a character that runs deep. Another proverb, an inheritance claimed too soon will not be blessed at the end. You're telling me this inheritance right now isn't blessed? This reminds me of the prodigal son who demanded his inheritance from his father. And his father gracefully gives him his inheritance, squanders it. If I give Ruby, our two-year-old, a key, keys to our car right now, my gosh, it's, it's a wrap. But the same key, the same car, the same person at 16, we're going to have a little good situation on our hands because we don't have to take her places. And she'll be able to drive herself. So a blessing can be a curse. A blessing too soon, an inheritance too soon. And so I want you to know that this is how God works. God cares about the how. And, he, and how he works is little by little. God's never in a hurry. And he wants to develop in you to receive and return. Amen? Amen. And so you're in process because you're producing something. I think there, there, there's peace in that reality. And like mentioned earlier, you must believe what it is to be a Christ follower and then face tribulations and trials. The promise is that we'll produce patience and perseverance and that we can actually... Rather than considering it bad, we can consider it pure joy. And so if you're in this room and you're in process, I'm here to tell you that you're right exactly where you need to be. Anybody grateful that they're right where they need to be? You're watching online. You're right where you need to be. Amen. Amen. Trust what God's producing in you. The third stronghold of growth, and the keys could come back up, is the stronghold of payback. The stronghold of payback. God does promise us a harvest, and a harvest more than we can count. He says it produced grain 30, 60, and even 100 times. In the original language, uh, that really means 30,000, 60,000, and 100,000 times. That's a great return on your investment. At some point as a believer, we must believe the principle of sowing and reaping. And I know the world says karma. The world says put in and you'll get back. But I'm here to tell you there's a difference. Yeah. Karma is the sum of a person's action that decide their fate and it decides their future existence. If that was the case, I wouldn't be here right now. I'd be dead. I'd be beat up and jumped because we're not good. But sowing and reaping is getting back more than you gave. It's getting back more than you sown. Because the results are, are predicated on God versus karma where the results are predicated on me. Anybody grateful that God's like, I want to give you more. I'm not trying to take away. I actually want to give you more than you sown. So the fact that Jesus uses this parable, parable tells me that God has so much for you. He is not trying to take away. And we must believe this principle that we will reap what we sow. And that reap can come differently. You know, just because you sowed in a dollar doesn't mean you're going to get a dollar back. Just because you sowed in your tithe means that your door might open up relationally and you might be at a seat amongst kings and you will figure out why did I even, why am I even at this table? This conversation is way too high level for me, but God's doing a work in you and he's opening up doors and this is how he's paying you back for what you've sown in. It's way more than we can do ourselves one more time for sowing and reaping. 
You know, I, as I begin to study this text and, and when, when you're trying to develop something or, or find something in scripture, you want to know why, like, what, why is that there? Why? And it's okay to ask questions. It's not okay to question, but ask questions. And so I begin to read and I say, why does good soil produce grain? Like, it'd be so cool if it could produce an apple tree, because then we could, like, make this awesome connection. I'd be like, dude, I could preach that easy. Oh, the Genesis, there's the apple tree, and then it come over here, good soil, apple, nope, not an apple tree. It says it produces grain. And so I'm like, what, what, I've never even, I mean, as growing up in elementary school and things like that, I never learned about how to actually grow grain. So I begin to do some research on how do you grow grain? How does one farmer grow grain? And there's really four key elements in this. The first element is a sunny location, the location. The second is the depth. You need to be able to sow the seed six inches deep. Third is you gotta scatter the seed. They would actually use a seed scatter uh, spreader, a, a seed spreader to spread the seed amongst the soil on the plain. And then fourthly, after that's all said and done, they put a little bit of water, the farmer will actually lay straw over the soil to protect it from the birds. And I begin to say, oh my goodness, this is what God does with us. It doesn't matter where you've been or what your experience is in, God will position you for growth. You don't need to have it all together for God to be like, I'm gonna put him exactly where he needs to grow. I'm gonna put her exactly where she needs to grow. And so he will position you for growth regardless of what you've been facing or what you find yourself in. Secondly, is the seed sown. It's so important how the seed falls. This is just a book and it's just paper, but how this is received is everything about the seed. And so God wants to do a deep work in you. And so although it's just seed, it going six inches deep is preparation for what it can produce. Lastly, or thirdly, even distribution of seed. Can I encourage you that coming to church one time a week, it isn't enough? If God's going to produce grain in you, you need to get under the influence of the word. You need to increase your exposure to God's word. That is why we do small groups. That is why we read our Bibles in the morning. That is why we worship. It's so we can be uh, uh, invited to, an to, to more seed, more word. Because there's so much going on in life, you need seed scattered in your soil. And if that's a requirement to grow grain is that you are access to more seed. Lastly, puts a, he puts straw over the, the soil to protect it from the birds. Why, why would God put straw over a cart path or a cart path golf? <laughs> Amen. I broke 90 this week. Let's go. Not 90, 100, but it was like 93. Amen. Pretty close. I'm getting there. But he wouldn't do that because... It's, not, it's, it's already not sown deep enough. It's not a sunny location. It's not the right position. But when you commit to growing God's way, come on, he will protect you in your growth. He will make sure you grow. He will make sure that he'll do a work in you no matter the circumstance or situation. So how do you grow in a year like 2020? How do you grow when you get the doctor's notice or when your mom calls you and says that she has breast cancer and, and there's no way all this makes sense anymore? 
you know because of where, where you're positioned to grow and how you have decided to grow, that you have good soil and that God's gonna protect you, preserve you, and produce in you. Come on, a harvest of 30, come on, 60 and 100 fold. So don't depart. Don't depart. Don't give up. The Bible says don't grow weary in doing good. You can grow weary in doing good? Last week, Pastor John talked about good works and that we're made for good works. So how do you get, how do you grow weary? You, you grow your way. But it's not that you grow. Come on, it's. Did you get something out of God's word today? Come on, let's give him some praise. Just want to take a moment and pray for you. I want to pray that you would have that good soil. Um, if you want good soil, why don't you uh, just open up your hands uh, to receive from God as I pray this real quick over you. God, you see every hand represented. God, I pray for the soil of our people, that these words that go out, that the seed that gets scattered falls on good soil and it produces. God, we don't want to grow our way. We want to grow your way. Would we be transformed and not conformed? Will we do what you've called us to do? And I just thank you, God, that you, that you aren't the issue, that your word is not the issue, but God, we ask for good soil and that you would produce something in us.